This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is February the 7th, 2020. Strong hand, golden age 2020s. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. In motion, five digit realm, conviction, be a unique beast. I am offended by selling. All right. Hello, my elite friends. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. I bring you the best guests in the freaking space. And this week, all these dudes are in Asia. And Asia has been in the news lately, hasn't it? Because of this virus. And everyone thinks, well, the virus will boost the price of the Bitcoin. The virus is this. The virus is that. Well, I want to really hear what, what the heck is the virus really doing? What is this coronavirus really doing? So we're going to, we got Leo is in Hong Kong. We got Luis in the Philippines. We got the legendary Tizen is happens to be hanging out in uh, Thailand right now. So we're going to start out on the virus tip, but we'll blend it all into cryptocurrency. Don't worry, people. Um, Leo, what is going on with this, uh, this virus, at least in Hong Kong? So the virus itself does not seem to be um, incredibly dangerous, yet it doesn't seem to be spreading incredibly fast, at least outside of China. So the numbers there, there's still a lot of uncertainty here, um, but the numbers there do not seem to be so alarming. And um, the people have completely lost faith in their government. And um, in the absence of clear information, all they see is the Chinese government just panicking. Um, their emergency measures are straight from like an apocalyptic movie. Entire cities are on lockdown. Uh, people cannot leave their homes. Um, supermarkets are poorly stocked. And this kind of panic, um, which might not even be like a good reflection of the actual situation in China, um, but this kind of impression um, creates a panic here in Hong Kong. And so we do have, we do see people in Hong Kong just buying the supermarkets empty, especially rice. Um, sanitary products, including toilet papers, kitchen towels, um, soap, um, anything that like is easily stored, like like spam. Um, we sometimes see days where you cannot buy eggs, and another day where you cannot buy vegetables. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's mainly annoying, coupled with this like uncertainty and fear. Hey Leo, what's the uh, what's the mask ratio on the street? hundred uh, percent. Um, wow. In closed uh, buildings, if you're inside of a train or inside of a bus, you're definitely at a hundred percent. If you're out on the street, um, you you're probably you probably see once in a while some someone who's not wearing a mask. Um, I do have to say that like wearing a mask um, is not necessarily very important to stopping the spread of the virus, especially out right. masks are relatively useless. Um, if right. You're out of space. Um, they don't so much help yourself. So you wearing a mask doesn't so much protect you. Um, it's mainly protecting others in case you are uh, infected. Um, but the fact that suddenly everybody's wearing masks and um, theoretically they should be able to, they should only wear them once, right? They should throw right. them, start them the second day they take them off. Um, creates this like massive demand for masks that just nobody's able to, to satisfy. So wherever you go right now in the, in the world, you cannot buy masks. Um, and the few, so you, the, the ones that you can buy here, instead of maybe eight US dollars for a pack of 50, um, they would be 50 US dollars for a pack of 50. Um, so you can still Crazy. get incredibly expensive. Uh, uh, does it, is anyone actually sick there? I mean, how many cases are in Hong Kong? Um, I believe Hong Kong has 25 confirmed cases. 
most of which are people who have traveled to um, epicenters in China or their immediate relatives. Um, there are fears that just uh, the massive number of people that came over um, from China in the last few days in Hong Kong um, before Hong Kong will uh, more or less close its borders uh, tomorrow, um, that some of these people will bring in um, cases of the flu, um, that people might not just self-quarantine or might not exercise caution. Um, but generally, we can say that over the last 10 days, at least, um, the flu has not been spreading on, on the streets of Hong Kong. The risk of, of being infected is close to zero. Wow. Uh, can you see the uh, Chinese government using this as a power grab method by any chance? Um, no, I think they have assumed uh, entirely full control of their, of their society. I think the fact that this is, uh, is, is spreading so quickly and the fact that people are panicking um, and the fact that people are, yeah, kind of questioning authority is because they have um, very much overreached their, um, their authority. Um, and they have kind of killed off um, the, the, the immune system that a civil society would normally um, uh, provide. And so this is a, a massive problem for them. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be the downfall of the Communist Party, but uh, people are very angry. Uh, we can tell on, on WeChat and Weibo that people are, yeah, um, expressing a, a ma an amount of dissent that senses aren't able, even able to handle. Um, and containing this and controlling these people is going to be like a massive challenge in the next years and it can only be done with more force and more repressive tools um, that yeah eventually are going to lead to less satisfaction less so a soft power less wealth all right this is this is great oh you only get this stuff here in the bitcoin sphere guys pound that like button ties in what's in vietnam and in thailand are you got what what have you been experiencing in terms of this uh coronavirus um, in, in Vietnam, since it borders, um, the northern part of Vietnam borders um, um, China, the southern part of China. And since, you know, um, we have a lot of economic activity uh, with uh, China and we have a lot of uh, tourists, Chinese tourists come in. We have a lot of um, like the bulk of the economy, the tourism, just just a lot, a lot of things that that Vietnam deals with other countries. Is, is with China, like that's China's the bulk of it, like the biggest trading partner and everything. So right now the masks are, they normally sell for like a, a box of 50, just regular masks, like the ones you see they wear in the hospitals. They usually sell for like $2.20, uh, $2.20 in US dollars for a box of like 50. And now the, the pharmacies are jacking it up to, um, are increasing the price to close to $7 and some of them even $10. And, um, and it was getting pretty bad to where people could not get the mask. And so it led to one of the uh, government officials, uh, I think, I'm not sure his exact title, but he's in the government. And I think he's the, the who's in charge of the health department in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, uh, which is located in the southern part of Vietnam. And um, he had to make an announcement that, that any, um, any pharmacy caught uh, making an attempt to, uh, you know, rip people off uh, uh, unreasonably, uh, charging high prices on the mask, and um, and selling used mask or or hiding hiding their inventory and not selling the inventory to the public. Uh, anyone that is caught doing that, uh, the government was going to revoke their pharmaceutical license and not let them sell 
you know, pharmaceutical drugs uh, in Ho Chi Minh City. And uh, in Ho Chi Minh City, which is responsible for like almost one third of the country's uh, GDP, um, this past week, yeah, yeah, this this week they were ordered to uh, to uh, um, uh, keep the kids, the students at home for another week. And they're considering doing another week. Now, now we don't have a large outbreak. I don't have the exact numbers, but it's just the fear. Um, one of the things that happens in less developed countries is when there's a uh, there's a epidemic or there, there, there's a commotion, there's panic. There's a lot of un, uninformed edu- uh, material being spread around. And then you also have people that are anti the Vietnamese Communist Party in the U.S., you know, the, like the, the losing party that got uh, that lost. You know, the 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 U.S.'s former puppet government that was in in Vietnam. You know, they're in the U.S. and they're they're making up fake stories about Vietnam. So if, if you're here, it's really hard to determine who who is giving you the real information. So one of the things as a as a Vietnamese citizen is you, you just have to really listen carefully to see who's giving you the the correct information and who's not. Well, here, here's the here's the bottom line question I got. Are people actually sick in, in Vietnam? I mean, are there sick people there or not? I mean, that, that's a... It's not in large numbers. I mean, it's yeah. just... So it's a panic. I mean, to, it's, it's the, the mask thing is, 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 is wild to me. Uh, all right, let, let's move on to the, the Philippines here. Luis, what, what's the situation there? Are, are people actually sick there or, or, uh, or is it panic? Well, I mean, so our mask shortage actually started a couple weeks before the coronavirus even became a thing in the news cycle. Um, you know, in mid-January, uh, one of our volcanoes started to spew ash all over the countryside. And, you know, kind of, as I, I live 100 kilometers north of that volcano, and I woke up and there was ash all over my windowsill. And that stuff is actually re- legit bad for your lungs if you breathe it in. So, you know, kind of a, like everyone in the in the cities were buying up all of the masks that they could um, because it was actually like legit health hazard to to kind of breathe that stuff in. Right. So um, so we had that and then we had the whole coronavirus um, kind of pandemic thing kind of dominate the news cycle. So now people who were already trying to look for masks are kind of doubling down hard on it. I think we have our thing. I think our confirmed cases of actual people who are sick are like in the single digits. Um, so it's not we're talking. We're not talking like a lot of people. Um, I will also say that you know, kind of you know, now that the whole ashfall situation is kind of um, you know like reduced pretty significantly, um, there's really no need to be wearing masks because you know the 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 virus is not airborne. Um, and in fact, if you look at the people that are actually sick, they tend to be uh, either closely related to other people who were sick. So in other words, they were in super close proximity. They were living together. They were sharing meals. They were doing stuff like that, right? Um, which would not happen if you were just walking down the street, for example. This is not the kind of thing that you would just pick up. It's not measles where um, you would just like pick it up just by breathing the same air as someone who had measles. It's not anywhere at that level. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't know if there's like a public company that you could have invested money into prior to all of this that makes those masks, but like, <laughs> they're stock 
price is probably through the roof right now. I, I, I don't know who they are, but like, I, I wish I knew beforehand. Is it 3M? It's like a 3M is a public company, right? So you could probably... Yeah, uh, yeah it uh, is 3M. Yeah, the mass probably too late. It's probably too late now, but <laughs> I wish I had I had thought of that like uh, three, four weeks ago. So. All right. So this is... Uh, I'm going to tie everything together here, guys. But I want to say Josh Kohout in the uh, Super Chat. He sent $1.99. Thank you, dude. He said, Tai Zen, when more Tezos videos? Hi, Adam, also. Oh, dude, you're, you're going on that 80% uh, or uh, roll there, Josh. Be, be, be careful. Um, but hey, you, you could do personal responsibility is a new counterculture if you want to get into whatever you want to get into. Don Cornelius said, had to drop a dono for that dog mask thumbnail. Don sent uh, two bucks. Thank you, dude. And for those that I, the, the thumbnail for this was a dog wearing a mask because I, uh, even before I talked to these guys, I, I've been hearing about this mask wearing stuff. And those masks, again, you, it doesn't prevent you from getting the disease. It prevents other, you from spreading the disease, which you don't even have in, in the first place. So yeah, it's just as good putting it on a dog, basically. People are protecting their dogs. So we, we talked to a guy who's in the Philippines, a guy who's in Vietnam. There are hundreds of millions of people uh, in, in those countries, and there are not too many people getting sick. Um, so we've got people on YouTube all over saying the world is about to end. This disease is about to kill everyone. And, and the funny thing is, and I want to go back to uh, Leo on this. He's wearing his mask, of course. Um, I, I heard that it's spread through a fecal matter. It's just that people, countries um, – they don't have toilet paper and they're getting they're getting it on their hand. I mean, this this happens in, in developing nations. And uh, so in countries which are developed where people wash their hands after they go to the bathroom, uh, such as Hong Kong, uh, there really isn't much to worry about. So uh, I mean, is, is, is that your take on that? Since you, you live in a sanitary place, you're not too, too worried about this? Um, I am quite worried about global supply chains being massively impacted by okay. factory shutdowns. Um, so if we now like all panic hoard of toilet paper, that makes it relatively inconvenient for everybody. Uh, but essentially, toilet paper is not something like masks that you suddenly start to consume more and more and more as you get the flu. But rather, we continue consuming the same amount of toilet paper as we would otherwise. And um, if we continue to have regular shipments coming in, then a, a very temporary shortage is, is a minor nuisance. Um, but we are facing the possibility that factories in China are going to be closed for another two weeks or two months or maybe even three months. Um, and in that case, we are going to see like massive shortages in certain products that are just mainly manufactured in China. And we already see like even car factories in in Korea um, being shut down because they cannot source certain parts from China. And the way our global just-in-time economy works um, is that this Chinese supply chain problem is going to, within two or three weeks, trickle into the global economy. And we're going to see shortages and inefficiencies at, at pretty much every corner. Um, and um, if this translates into people panic buying or into companies panic buying, um, then the, and these entire efficiencies that we've built over the last like two decades um, are going to just like disappear. And it's hard to imagine how this can easily be solved, right? And it's hard to forecast how bad this is really going to be. Like how tight are the lockdowns really going to be in China and how difficult is it to 
for them to continue a functioning economy in this like epidemic? How bad is this epidemic even? How easy is it to contain this when you lock everybody at home um, versus like the cost of it, right? Like, is this virus just like the flu and we should probably like be, be like just give up and let it spread um, and focus on treating people uh, as best as we can? Or is this um, deadly enough that it justifies for us shutting entire uh, cities down? So let's, I, I want to get this straight here. So in China, it is, it's really there. It's really spreading. And because of that, people are not working the same way they used to. Thus, products to the rest of the world won't be getting out there. In the rest of the world, though, the disease isn't spreading. So the problem is the global supply chain here because yeah, people are really... People living in cities where there's currently no public transportation, where you need a special license to drive your car, like a special like um, emergency permit, which you can get as like a medic or uh, maybe as a um, maybe as a police officer. Um, with these places where you're not allowed to leave the house, like where each household is only allowed to dedicate one family member that gets to leave the house only on odd days or only on even days. Um, like these people are, are, are going to need a paycheck at the end of the month, right? They're going to need to somehow uh, feed themselves or and pay their mortgages and rent. Um, especially in the face of like massively increasing um, food prices. Um, and um, that can become a, a very, very uncomfortable problem as um, more and more people, yeah, are, are becoming unemployed, aren't able to pay their bills, aren't able to pay for their food. Um, for their food. And um, yeah, factories just remain closed. Like there's nothing being produced. There's nobody making money. Okay, so this is, we are, so okay, so we're going to tie it into Bitcoin here. So this is a legitimate uh, global economic issue. And thus, when we have these global economic issues, uh, some people say Bitcoin is a safe haven asset. Uh, the price of Bitcoin has been going up lately. Uh, is it connected at all, do you think, Leo? Uh, do, do you see, do you hear people talking about uh, Bitcoin uh, investment for this reason, for, uh, because of this uh it's it's even uh, it's even a little bit scarier than that like people are people are drawn to like the apocalyptic horrors right like they imagine like doomsday scenarios and um, that might not be very uh, likely but these doomsday scenarios lead them to buy toilet paper at whatever price they can because they imagine that in a month or two um, paper become money becomes worthless and toilet paper is what we barter on the market um, and so in this case um, I don't think Bitcoin and then immediately show uh, comes to mind as, as something that people can um, like will flee into. Right. It's not something that people will find useful to hoard. Um, you find useful to hoard whatever you can, um, whatever you can later consume yourself and use to keep alive. Um, but we do have concerns um, that these triggers, these supply chain collapses and these um, um, temporary shortages are exactly the kind of ignition that we have been, um, yeah, that we've been kind of waiting for in terms of inflation, right? Like we've been fearing a kind of trigger that creates inflation on a, on a massive scale. And um, swine flu was one of these triggers where we saw food prices go up by 10, 20, 50%. And now in addition, we have a collapse of, of farming. Like people cannot go back to their, to their farms. Um, chicken farms in Hubei province, the most affected province, um, are, are looking to like being unable to um, to slaughter their chicken um, because of lack of workers. They're unable to feed their chicken because the, the, the food supply doesn't come in. Um, and so we could see even more of an increase in, in, in inflation, um, which will lead people to seek safer assets. Um, and Bitcoin is going to be one of them. Um, oh. Bitcoin is 
relatively easy to access compared to, for example, gold. All right, Tai Zen here. You are you are a trader. You know about speculators and manipulators and stuff. Do you see this story uh, getting uh, pumping up the price of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin at all? People uh, people panicking. Do um, you? I, I um, okay. So how 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 do I see it affecting um, uh, crypto? Um, let, let me let me just uh, add something I forgot to add earlier um, when I was talking about Vietnam. That that same health uh, minister or official in Vietnam, he he got on the news and he said that there are 35 manufacturers of those masks in Vietnam, in Ho Chi Minh City, around the Ho Chi Minh City area. And there's no reason why that there's should be a shortage of supply. And he said that anything that is a shortage is artificially manipulated by the pharmacies because there's enough manufacturers in Vietnam to supply the entire country with masks. So that, that was good news. But here's the reality. When I went out to buy some masks, there was none available. And when I asked the, um, when, when I asked the uh, pharmacist, like about eight or nine pharmacies that I went to, none of them had it. And I asked him, uh, how come the health minister or, or somebody in the health department said that there's plenty of masks available? And she said, there is. The problem is they jacked the price up so high that they cannot afford to buy it because if they bring it back to their store, no one's going to buy it. So there's no point in them in buying the, the outrageous prices. But there's really no point. It, there's really no point in owning the mask anyway. It's there's not. It, yeah. it, 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 it's it's uh, all. I'm, I'm just. just going, uh, yeah, I'm just throwing yeah, that yeah. out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in Thailand, in Thailand, every time I come through the airport, there are usually like three lines. Just f like if you if you ever come to uh, Bangkok at uh, either airport, whether it's Don Mung Airport in the north or Suwarnapum Airport in the east of the city. There's always like three lines at each one where they process nothing but Chinese uh, 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 passport holders. So they got the line for the Thai people, then they got the lines for the uh, other countries, and then they got like several lines just for Chinese people. Because that's how many Chinese people come to Thailand. And I noticed that when I came through this time, there was not like I didn't see anybody in that line. And, and also, maybe it was because I came like at late at night. But I didn't see like every time I come through there, there's always the lines are always full of Chinese. And this time I didn't see that many. And then when I was taking the uh, ride sharing uh, 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 cars, the drivers were telling me that, yes, there, there is a drastic reduction in Chinese tourists. in, in, so, in China. so obviously this is huge in China. It, you know, people are always talking about Bitcoin and China connection. Do you? Do you see this affecting Bitcoin cryptocurrency in, in any way to tie it all together? No, you don't see that. No, no. So there's certain things that people like to, um, uh, like, like people like to theorize. Look at, yeah. Well, there's a saying in, in, in trading that, you know, correlation does not equal causation. And, and what that means is just because something happens at the same time out in the world, that doesn't mean that that's what caused the price to go up or the price to go down in the markets. So yes. you, like, 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 you, you always hear a, a lot of non-traders, they, they just pull stuff out the back of their butt and, and just yeah. say, this is what caused the markets to go up or this was what caused Bitcoin to go up or this is what caused Bitcoin to go down. And I'm like, really? <laughs> there are, but there are some people that try to manipulate it based on news that really has, they try to connect it. They try to scare people in, into selling and stuff based, 
based on news like this, the speculators. Most, most, the people that, okay, so let, let's just clear this up here because I, I, I hear this a lot in, in crypto, in trading, you know. Um, the people that know how, that, that know how to manipulate the markets in crypto and the people that, are, that know how and they have access to technology that can do it and they have the capital to do it and they're in a jurisdiction where they can get away with doing it. These people that, 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 that meet these criteria, I promise you, they're not online telling people that they're pumping the price or they're doing this or they're doing that. They're, they're not, you won't ever see those people. You won't ever hear them. They have nothing to do with the, 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 the influence, uh, uh, the crypto influencers, the social media. They are busy in the background making a crap load of money. They don't have time to be over here talking about stupid pump and dump nonsense, okay? The people that can actually do it for real, you know, the people that can actually do it for real, they are busy doing it with software and a bunch of other stuff in the background. They constantly got to watch it and tweak it. They won't have time to sit here and chit chat about how, you know, or, or tell the world that there's a pump or a dump going on. So just, just, just here's, a, here's a quick question for you. Um, Cause like uh, I've been thinking about this a lot myself also, like in situations like this, where it feels like the world is ending and uh, we could argue all day about whether or not that's true. But do you feel like if there are enough people that believe that Bitcoin is a digital safe haven, that it would cause the price to pump regardless of whether, um, you know, it's necessary or not. Um, do you think that, like, the, the market cap's small, right? So it doesn't take that much excitement in the market to, to move the price up a couple hundred bucks. Um, do you think that just kind of, you know, the mistaken assumption that, that we are in some kind of apocalyptic scenario this year um, um, do you think no, you feel like that is no, going to cause that much buying pressure? No, I, I don't think so because the the people that are uninformed and uneducated about things like this that scare easy, mm -hmm. the, usually the people that scare easy don't trade or invest a big portfolio. I, I, mm -hmm. Usually those people are not managing or trading a seven, eight, nine-figure portfolio. And the people that are managing a large six-figure, seven, eight, nine-figure portfolio – they usually got to that point in their life because, you know, usually they, they're a little bit more logical and they're more reason based. Right. Uh, right. You're not, you're not going to get to that level of trading by being emotional. Now I can right. talk to you that because I've been right. before right. as an amateur trader. I don't want, you don't last very long. So right. you, you have to, you know, be logical and, and, and I'm not going to say that it's, you know, the people that say that trading, you have to be unemotional when you're trading. You know, the, the only people I know that's unemotional in real in real life are like the the, the Buddhist monks that's been meditating for fifty years. Or something. You know, uh, you know, regular. Maybe people, they'll make for good traders. <laughs> yeah, but at that point, you don't care about money anymore. You know, that's not an issue. <laughs> so, so it kind of. Right. But, but what I'm saying is that usually the people that cry all these nonsense in trading or investing or in crypto or in the stock markets, they they are usually not people that that manage. Any reason, any reasonable amount of money that I would even care to pay attention to. All right, we we love the Tai Zen trader perspective there, people. Pound that freaking like button. I want to move on a little bit here uh, to to Leo real quick. Leo, I don't know if you have anything to add to that in terms of speculation, et cetera, et cetera. But I do want to, since you're in Hong Kong, uh, is 
are there still protests going on against China? I mean, is, is that we haven't heard about this for a while because the virus is distracting everyone. Um, so first about uh, uh, buying frenzy or, or how this uh, will affect Bitcoin price. I do think there's a there's a um, significant chance that the economic damage from this virus and especially from the shutdowns of the Chinese economy um, will lead the Chinese government to inject massive amounts of capital into their own markets. And these um, in, in the kind of in a negative um, climate um, where people yeah, are very pessimistic about their own about their own future. Um, a lot of this money might go into crypto um, simply because people don't think it's worthwhile for that to invest or because people fear that just through inflation, um, these this will be devalued. Um, regarding protests in Hong Kong, um, there have been, again, um, more significant um, yes, increase of, of especially smaller protests. Um, even more like guerrilla style road blockades or um, or vandalism. Um, most of this has been mixed with uh, virus news. So most of this has been aimed at, at closing um, the border to China. Um, the medical uh, um, medical um, uh, officials, um, medics and, and nurses went on strike for the last five days um, to pressure the government to close the border. Um, to some degree, it worked um, because the government did. Um, come up with a proposal where the border would not be, well, where only um, two of the, I think, seven borders remain open. Um, and these two um, would um, only be open during the day and people would uh, face 14 days quarantine if they entered. Um, um, issue of new visas for, for mainland Chinese to come to Hong Kong had already been halted a while ago. Um, a lot of people think that's not enough. A lot of people think that um, yeah, inviting um, mainland Chinese um, to come to Hong Kong to get like yeah free 14-day accommodation um, to then um, in case they did catch the virus get free healthcare in Hong Kong. Um, some people think this is um, this is not acceptable. Others think this is a good compromise between keeping the borders open and closing them entirely. Um, and yeah, so these these protest demands um, have kind of been mixed with. Um, yeah, with general discontent of how the government handles the virus. Okay, that's a, that's a good update with that situation. I want to, Luis, I, I want to go ask you a, a China-related question. Since I think we've all concluded uh, this is going to have a huge effect on the, the Chinese economy at the at the very least. It, it, and and Thai has mentioned in you know in in Thailand and in Vietnam, there's a lot of Chinese back and forth travel and. Uh, obviously, Hong Kong uh, deals a lot with China because it's sort of part of it. Uh, it, it. What's 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 the Philippines' connection with China? Have you have you guys been feeling feeling their wrath lately? Is this going to hurt your economy if uh, if all the Chinese are sick at home? Well, I mean, we're certainly uh, becoming more and more dependent on China, not just for kind of you know uh, manufacture, but also um, you know more and more. Um, there are Chinese migrant workers that are starting all sorts of businesses over here. Um, I, I always use the anecdote that, uh, you know, when I first moved into my building, all of my neighbors were locals, and now there's not a single person who was born in the Philippines um, in my entire building. So, um, you know, I, I walk down the street and, um, you know, in some parts of the CBD, all of the advertising is in Mandarin. Which is fine if you're in Hong Kong, but you know, in the Philippines, that's a weird thing to see. Um, so yeah, um, we're certainly seeing. Uh, I think you'll you'll see these stories in a lot of other countries too, where 
um, kind of the locals tend to get priced out of their own residential uh, areas because um, uh, other people are coming in uh, with a little bit more buying power who can afford a slightly higher rent and all of that stuff. Um, and for us, it's it's definitely a, a phenomenon of the last couple of years. Um, you know, kind of the trade agreements the Philippines and China have have certainly contributed to that. Uh, the 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 thing that we have that is very very popular here is called uh, Pogo, which is a online gaming, online gambling uh, operator license. Um, and a lot of Chinese companies uh, come to the Philippines to set up these companies um, and and then just offer these services internationally, but they're licensed here. Uh, so their business entities are here in the Philippines, and and that's that's been fairly lucrative from a you know tax standpoint for for the government, but um, it certainly had some other effects also. Um, not the least of which is that um, I no longer have any local neighbors, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, and and uh, I don't know what will happen um, now that you know kind of. You know, like there's all sorts of travel bans, right? Uh, we've got a couple of uh, international Bitcoiners that are now stuck in Manila because they can't fly anywhere else, for example, because they previously were in either Hong Kong or China or one of the other um, related countries. Uh, so you've got all sorts of weird stuff like that going on. Um, it's a it's a strange time. It's a it's a very strange time, and we're only uh, what is it like six weeks into 2020. So yeah, it's uh, golden age. What the rest of the year is gonna bring? I'm excited. Pound that like button for 2020s. Okay, you just now that I got you, I got you here, Luis. I'm gonna you to quickly talk about. You just spoke at a conference and you talked about stable coins and you talked about central uh, bank coins and you're no fan of them. So quickly, uh, tell us your thoughts about them and then I'll ask the other panel members because the, these have been in the news a lot in 2020, especially the uh, central bank coins, which some people think are going to be the biggest, but they're going to come. But tell, tell us what you had to say about that. Yeah. So um, the conference was actually held by the OECD. So I was in Paris at the time. And um, the, the subject of the panel was uh, cryptocurrencies and remittances. So like my, my background, or at least my area of focus is very much on remittances, cross-border money transfer, stuff like that. And one of the questions that was put forth by the moderator was how I felt CBDCs, uh, central bank digital currencies, uh, were going to help uh, solve the, you know, kind of the remittance problem. And the remittance problem is that it's expensive um, to send money overseas. Um, and, you know, I was kind of very negative about it, at least in the sense that I didn't really see how it was going to change things. Um, the thing about modeling you know digital currencies after stuff that already exists is that you know the the better you are at your job the better you are at simulating say a digital euro the more likely it is that it's going to have all of the same problems as the euro or the us dollar right so all of the regulatory hurdles all of the fx risk and all of that stuff just kind of comes becomes part of that package um and it was kind of funny because the panel that i was on had someone from the European Central Bank on it. So it was kind of a little an interesting bit of uh, banter afterwards where, you know, like I, I struggled to understand what they were for. Um, you know, the, the main problem with uh, remittances is not even so much that 
it's hard to move money across the world. It's it's because there's so many regulatory hurdles to to operating this sort of business. There's so much compliance that you have to pay attention to and spend money on. And you know, having a central bank version of a stable coin, a stable euro, a stable dollar, or whatever, that's not really going to solve those those problems. And it's certainly not going to change the the situation to any significant degree. So yeah, so I was I was fairly negative about it. Um, but on the other hand, I'm not really sure what they were expecting me to come in and say, right? I mean, they 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 brought me in. They knew I was a crypto guy. There's hardly there's very few crypto guys that would be like hardcore into a, C, a central bank stablecoin. So yeah. Well, you, you'd be surprised. There are some stablecoin freaks out there I've run into. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, I mean, I have nothing against stablecoins yeah. as a concept, but like yeah. uh, central banks issuing their own stablecoins. That's I'm not sure what the difference is. That's well, yeah, you bring up a great point. I mean, it's uh, it, the whole regulation. They'll just repeat what they have in the fiat side of things. It'll be the same, but, but it'll be more convenient for people. I think they're. I mean, here here's a, a, a closing a closing question for you. They're coming though. Would you would you agree? I mean, I think we're, we're these things are going to come by the end of the year, maybe even if not twenty twenty one. I mean, they're certainly coming because um, there's not a central bank in the world right now who hasn't heard that you could do this. And I'm sure that they, like everyone who can, will try. I mean, we've already got versions of it here in the Philippines. Um, I don't know that, you know, my company, Bloom, will ever use them. But, um, you know, like honestly, so so I'm, I'm fairly pragmatic about these things as well. If, if it turns out that I'm proven wrong and it turns out that, you know, uh, central bank, digital currencies turn out to be kind of the preferred way to settle, uh, you know, overseas cross-border money transfer, whatever, um, then I will, I will happily use the technology that is out there. But at the moment, like I, I use Bitcoin um, to a lesser, a much lesser extent. Um, we use Tether um, and that's about it. Uh, like you don't really need all that much other stuff. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at there. All right, let's go to Tai Zen because you're you're okay. a trader. You, you've uh, dealt with you dealt with stable coins, but I want your yes. take on okay. But the central bank digital currencies. Take it away. Tai Zen. Uh, okay, so I want your audience to be clear about something here because everyone is talking about these you know corporate coins and these central bank coins, which they're all the same thing. You know, these government coins, uh, Fed coin, whatever you know. People are mistaken. Don't forget Libra. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah. all. The same. They're all the same thing, okay? And we, we, we are talking about two different things here, man. Like, the crypto community is focused on one thing, right? Um, and, and the government and the corporations are focused on something else that's completely different. And the two people think it's the same thing. And the people that's listening to the two think it's the same thing. The, the, the best way that I would say this is... Have you ever talked to someone, right, uh, in real life, and you ask them, you know, like, hey, man, what's the direction to the, uh, 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 how do I get to the museum from here? And they'll tell you, like, oh, you know, um, the, 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 the chicken restaurant is this way, and then you turn left and you turn right, and you're like, I didn't ask you for a chicken, the directions to a chicken restaurant. I asked you the directions to this place over here. And, you're, and, and then you ask them the second time and the third time, and they're still telling you where the chicken restaurant's at. And you're like, Dude, I didn't ask for directions for the chicken rice. I asked for directions to the museum. And what happens is your audience has to understand what are these people talking about, okay? 
The crypto community is made up of libertarians and anarchists that don't like the government. They, they want less government, you know, like everybody that's in crypto is like, we want less government involved with our money. Like we want the, 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 the community, the peers, the, the people in the world that's using the currency to, to use this digital currency uh, uh, called Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, whichever one that, that whoever, depending on what community you're in, whichever one you want. But when that's what the crypto community people want, what the banks and the corporations and the government want is not a digital currency. Whenever you hear them say that they're coming out with their cryptocurrency, I want you guys to translate that word cryptocurrency to a settlement system. Just just replace the word. Whenever you hear the corporate guys in the in the banks and the the, the the central banks and the government say, "Hey, we we are looking to come up with our own cryptocurrency." I want you to anytime one of these institutions say that, I want you guys to replace the word cryptocurrency with clearing and settlement system. That's what they're doing. They're not trying to create a new cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. What they're doing is they're taking the Bitcoin's clearing and settlement technology. Okay, and what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is let me explain to you guys how it works. If if I was to send a hundred U.S. dollars from my bank to Bitcoin Meister's bank, right? What happens is on the surface, I send it from my bank account to his bank account over here, and he sees it on his screen immediately. Or you know, if I send a wire transfer, or, you know, usually it's within ten minutes, an hour, whatever. He'll see that he gained a hundred dollars, and it came from Thai. But the reality is, behind the scenes, it takes about three days to clear that transaction. And what happens is the bank is allowing Adam to go ahead and use that hundred dollars that I sent him. The reality is the money never came from my bank yet, but the banks have an agreement so that they'll let Adam use it. Okay. And because my bank is in the same agreement with them, they trust each other. So they let Adam go ahead and withdraw the hundred dollars or use it to make whatever payments he needs to make. But the reality is behind the scenes in the background, that transaction has not cleared and it has not settled. And in, in, in case English is not your primary language, when a transaction has not cleared and it has not settled, that means that the money is still at my bank. It is not at Adam's bank yet. So once the money leaves my bank account and it goes to Adam's bank account and they know for a fact that it's in their hand, then it's considered clear and settled. In the U.S. and around the world right now, that process is called T plus three, which means transaction plus three days or some people call it trade plus three, okay? But the shortened word is T plus three, okay? So most countries, and now in the U.S., they're, they're, they're trying to come, they, they have a system and a process to get it down to T plus two, which means tr transaction plus two days to clear and settle the transaction, okay? Bitcoin, when I send Bitcoin Meister at Bitcoin, if the network's not clogged up, usually it takes 10, 15, 20 minutes, and he receives it, and then he can send it back out. 10 and 20 minutes or even an hour is significantly faster than three days wait time for it to clear and settle. So whenever you hear the corporations and the government say that we are building our own cryptocurrency, I want you to replace it and, and hear it say that we are replacing our current, right, clearing and settlement system with Bitcoin's clearing and settlement system. That's what they're doing. And they're calling it a cryptocurrency to get buzz, to get news and all this shit, okay? Do not think for once that the U.S. is going to replace a U.S. dollar with any bullshit cryptocurrency, okay? 
They are going to maintain that stronghold on it. Do not think for one moment that the, 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 the European central banks are going to get rid of their euros and replace it with some cryptocurrency. That, 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 that is just, dude, whenever I hear people say that, I just wish I could just reach out and slap them awake. Maybe because that, 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 to me, that, that, that is so far-fetched. I, I, I want to point out one thing, though. They do kind of tell you the truth, Lopez. They call it a digital currency. They yes. usually do not say cryptocurrency. They usually, yes. I mean, there's the central, it's totally centralized what they want to do. It's yeah, just a it, way to speed things up for them and make it convenient for everyone and get everybody hooked on their system. So let them yeah. have that. I mean, but, but, but here's the thing. And, and, and so when, whenever we talk about remittance, okay, sending money from one country to another, from one bank to another, from one individual to an individual in another country, that right there has nothing to do with with uh, 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 the clearing and settlement technology. That has to do with regulatory issues, okay? Like if, if you guys ever go and try to hire a securities attorney to help you get a, uh, a, 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 a money transmission license in the U.S., you will immediately understand that it's not a, a, a technology issue. It's a regular regulation issue. Like whenever we hire the securities attorneys on our channel, like like to check everything in our our, our our education products, our trading education products, you know, the lawyers, the securities lawyers cost anywhere between $650 an hour, U.S. dollars an hour to $1,200 an hour. OK. And whenever we, we hire these securities attorneys to help us get a, a, a money service business license. Right. That shit takes a long time. That that to get licensed in all the states, all fifty states in the U.S. That would require probably a, a few years and, and several millions of dollars in just attorney fees. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. so so we, we get. I, I think I think we get the point here of the regulations versus oh, not regulation and, and and that. So I I, I do I want to move on real quick to uh, to Leo to get his take on going back to the stable coin. And uh, country uh, digital uh, digital central bank coins. There, you, Leo. What's what's your uh, take on this? Yeah, I think stable coins aren't cryptocurrencies either. But I do see stable coins as kind of shadow banks, and they're useful as shadow banks only if they're reliable and only if they do things that regular banks cannot do. Um, so I don't really see the appeal in regulated uh, stable coins. Um, I see the appeal in a in a shadow bank that um, yeah gives everybody an account anonymously, allows people to transact, um, kind of has a, has a liquid market around it for you to move in and out of the system. And I think the main genius of, of um, stable coins is that they kind of remove themselves from having to deal with um, withdrawals and deposits. Regular um, shadow banks have this big vulnerability that what they're doing is, um, is usually more illegal than legal, and they have trouble dealing with, with customers because some of these customers are going to be narcs um, and some of these customers and all of these uh, transactions are going to leave trails. And stablecoins have somehow managed to um, push that problem as far away from them as possible in that you're not going to find a lot of people who deal directly with any kind of stablecoin company. Most of them just buy them on the market. Um, and I think that's, that's a genius market. Um, that's uh, from genius from a legal perspective. It's genius from an economical and from a market perspective. Um, and I don't see how this translates into um, government issued stable coins at all. Like none of these advantages and none of these appeals are going to extend to them, um, especially since these um, shadow banks are um, 
dealing with a very, very specific clientele, and that is people who deal with cryptocurrencies, people who trade them, people who um, raise money with them. Um, and that's not really a, a market that um, governments or central banks are going to be interested in serving. Um, I can imagine that governments and central banks are interested in creating um, financial systems in which they are a proper center, in which people no longer have to go through commercial banks, um, where you can sign up for an account directly with the central bank, where you can transact directly with others. And essentially, the, the appeal of that is to um, shut out the banks of the uh, money supply, um, because banks have broken business models right now, in that um, taking deposits is not at all attractive. Um, so taking that business model away from them is probably not going to lead, uh, like, lead to that much resistance. And banks can continue to like, yeah, offer loans and do investment products and retirement products and sell insurance and, and build apps around it. Um, and what you're left with is like a very neat API um, that lets people um, to move money between their, um, their insurance app, their stockbroker app, um, their, um, their pawn shop app. Um, between their WeChat and, and PayPal um, without, yeah, with, with having kind of like a politically neutral um, API that's, that's regulated by the government without anybody having to worry about actually taking that deposit. Um, because when you're moving money between your pawn shop and your, um, and your um, uh, stockbroker, um, then the, the actual account is still with the government and your um, balance is always with the central bank but just the service provider around that changes. Um, and central banks are probably very interested in this because this is an environment where they can finally introduce negative interest rates, where they can like drop helicopter money, um, and where they can very, very tightly um, uh, control supply and monitor all transactions in a way that they cannot do it in any other system. I think this is incredibly far out um, and probably not very, um, and probably not politically and technologically as easy as they think. So wait, do, do you expect the, uh, a major country to, to, to attempt uh, well, to, to get away with a, central, a successful central bank coin soon? Uh, no, I think it's also just, uh, yeah, it's just marketing talk. It's something you tell you at conferences to give you the impression that they're at the field. Um, this is years out from any kind of years meaningful, um, from any kind of meaningful uh, project. Uh, we might see some trials soon. These are not going to be trials you're going to be able to participate in. This is going to be something that's completely a black box, and you're going to have to entirely trust, again, the people who, who have um, allegedly interacted with that black box and how the experience really is. It just it, You did mention negative rates, and I, it is a way to implement negative rates. There, there's a way to do it through, through this method if everybody was hooked into. So that's why I thought it might – something might actually happen where they, they can somehow do that. But that, that's a dream. That's a dream. In addition to surveillance and, and taxation. Um, but this is something that is um, going to be led with uh, much more resistance than, uh, than people think. And even in China, people are going to quietly rebel. All right. All right. Uh, Taizan, were you, were you about to say something? I thought you might uh, have something additional to say about the uh, pure stable coin aspect of things. Because you, you, yeah. I mean, you're a trader. You're a trader. People are addicted yeah. to the tether. Okay, so for, first of all, I, I see the well, okay regarding stable coins. I see the corporations, the banks, and the governments. You know, uh, I'm just gonna loop label them all together and call it the man, right? I see the ban coming using the uh, the cryptocurrency clearing and settlement technology in a very short period of time here, like 
maybe in three, four, five years. Why wouldn't they? Like that, but but that doesn't mean they're coming out with a cryptocurrency. Or it just means that they're using a better clearing and settlement technology. That is a desperate need. That that is needed on Wall Street, in the banks, in, in, in the central banks. A, a better clearing and settlement technology is desperately needed to reduce the time from taking three days down to ten minutes, five minutes, whatever it is. Right? That is des desperately needed within the banking system and within the financial system in all the countries. So that is not going away. I see that happening very, very shortly. But for them to say that they're creating a cryptocurrency or a stable coin, that's just a bunch of BS, okay? And then as far as a stable coin inside crypto, here's what I see happening, okay? And I tweeted this out before several times and and, and, and I know the Bitcoin you know, fanboys, they don't like to hear this, okay? But the, the reason why I put all my life savings, you know, nearly all my life savings into buying Bitcoin back in, in, in 2013 was because the minute I saw how they clear and sell transactions in less than 10 minutes, I knew that this was going to be the feature. So I went and bought up as much as I could. OK, that had nothing to do with, you know, thinking that this is going to go up to a thousand dollars or anything like that. I just thought this was a significantly better clearing and settlement technology than anything that was on Earth at that time. OK. And I said, man, this is. If there's anything that can replace the the the, uh, the 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 fiat currency systems around the world, this would be the technology that does it because it was so easy to use. Nowadays, you know, Bitcoin is not a, 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 a electronic cash like it used to be back in 2012, 2013. You, you told the story before. I know what. I, no, 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 no. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what's 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 what is actually doing it? What's actually doing what Bitcoin was doing in 2012, 2013? And it's actually the stable coins. It's actually the stable coins. Like if you come to Asia and you talk to the traders here, but let me tell you something. The Asian traders here I meet in Southeast Asia, you will not meet any of them that gives a shit about what the, the central banks or the government's doing or any of that. Like they 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 they, they, they not you won't find like one like if you come to Vietnam, you won't find one guy, one like local Vietnamese that thinks for one minute that there should be another currency that replaces the country's national currency. That that, that thought doesn't even cross their mind. And, and But they use the hell out of stable coins. And they used to use Bitcoin because it was easy to transfer and they can see that it's going to be transferred when they, they transfer the money to someone. They, they can tell them, hey man, just wait a few minutes and you'll get it. And then since it's not that consistent anymore, right? Most of the people over here use stable coins, and I predict, here's my prediction, that stable coins, the volume of stable coin transactions will continue to increase, and it will far surpass Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV, or any of those Bitcoins, okay? And it will continue to climb in transaction because it actually solves a real problem. It actually solves a real financial problem that, that some of these countries have that have capital controls like Vietnam. Right. Bitcoin does not solve the problem as well as stable coins do. And, and, and you guys can look at it and go, OK, you know, this is crazy what you're saying here, Ty. But that's the reality. The reality is the stable coins here help solve a serious financial capital control issue that happens in Vietnam and some of these other countries around here. Right. That Bitcoin is not solving. That's the reason why they're using it. Bitcoin, I, I want to add, you've, you've said before that Bitcoin is harder to use than it previously was. You can't send a little bit to your friend anymore like you used to be able to. It's, it's expensive, et cetera, et cetera. 
but if in terms of uh, getting around uh, capital controls, you send the Bitcoin out of the country, it's just as easy as sending the tether out of the country. It's going to get out of the country in a very short period of time. The difference is the tether is worth a dollar. It's it's worth a dollar no matter what. The Bitcoin price can change. It, there's, it, it's, I mean, the, well, one Bitcoin will always equal one Bitcoin, but people value their wealth, a lot of people value their wealth in dollars. So they, they want to make sure that the dude, if he's in Russia, he's sending a Chinese guy a dollar, that it's going to still be worth a dollar the next day. With a Bitcoin, you, you never know what it's going to be worth. But they do. I mean, they're both as easy to set. I mean, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's not because here, here's the reason why. And, and you, you, you got to look at this, Adam. You got to look at this. That's what I used to think, too. But when I came back to Vietnam, I was like, why do these guys keep using stable coins like Tether? Like they, they use Tether significantly more than they use Bitcoin. And I'm like, what the hell, do, what, 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 what are they using Tether for, right? And what I found out was that money in the US and most Western countries, we are so used to capital. Like we go like, you know, I go to the bank, I get a 14,000 limit credit card. I, I go in within, I can go in there and buy a 30, 40, $50,000 car with zero down because just because I have a good credit score, right? These things do not happen in these countries. So capital is extremely valuable. Like capital in America, they put women on a pedestal. Over here, they put capital on a pedestal. You got money, they don't give a shit who you are. Like, 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 like you can be a serial killer, right? And if you got money, that's all they care about. They'll do business with you just because you got money. They, they, they don't care. They, they don't even spend time to like you or become friends with you. As long as you prove to them that you got capital, they, they'll do business with you. And it's so important that when they send capital to you, that they have an idea that it's actually going to show up. Okay. Because remember countries that are behind that are not as industrialized or as advanced as, as uh, like Vietnam is not, you know, as advanced as the U S and some of the Western countries. But when they did start their systems like internet, computing, things like that, they just leapfrog all the legacy technologies and go straight to the front. So if you go to a Vietnamese citizen right now and they transfer money to each other, they do it on hardly anybody uses the computer. They use their, their app on their phone and they transfer money. And the minute they hit send, boom, the other person shows up, confirms it, and it's done. When they send a Bitcoin transaction and they don't know when it's going to confirm, sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's an hour, right? They can't do that's a lot of capital. They, they, they are, and no matter how much I say that they, that they put so much value on money and on capital here, right? That, that you can't imagine that until you actually live here, do business with them, speak their language, and you can see in their language how valuable capital is to them. All right. So let's let's Luis. Luis, you're in a similar country. You're in the Philippines. What do you what do you have to say about all this? Um, I mean, I think fundamentally, I, I, I don't disagree that stable coins have a real role. I think that that's certainly true. I think I think that the fact that Tether sometimes does more daily trading volume than Bitcoin does is, you know, evidence of that. Um, but I think that fundamentally stable coins are kind of very, um, they're very today's generation. And I think that um, as we've, like, if you go back to kind of the, the, the fundamentals of why we even had Bitcoin in the first place, it was because we believed that there was something wrong with the way that, you know, kind of current traditional monetary policy was um, was architected. And like and the thing about stable coins is that they're pegged against fiat. So like they're not 
they're not really going to solve the, the 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 problems of traditional monetary systems long term. They certainly have a role right now because they allow people to, um, you know. So, for example, here in the Philippines, you can't just buy dollars without, you know, um, explaining to the government or to the bank exactly what you're doing with it. But you can certainly buy tether, um, and tether to a Filipino is almost as good as a dollar. Um, I mean. Granted, there's a few points shaved off here and there, but you know it's close enough. Now, the fact that it is pegged to the dollar means that it is going to be, it is going to eventually succumb to every single problem that every other fiat currency has succumbed to over the last 500 years or whatever it is, um, and that is, you know, uh, inflation, like um, an overall decreasing value and buying power. Um, ideally, this was what. Bitcoin was really meant to address. I, I, I do want to say that you know, like we're in the middle of a, a very we we like to call it a very grand economic experiment with Bitcoin, right? Because we're not exactly sure if this is the the solution that will that will really do it for us. But it's certainly, in my mind, has certainly shown itself to have some real legs. Um, when I do my workshops here, where I you know, teach people why Bitcoin even exists. Like I always say that, you know, like when the year that I was born, um, you could buy one US dollar for 11 Philippine pesos. Um, as of this morning, it's about 51 Philippine pesos. So just in my just in my lifetime, we've lost about 80% of our value uh, just against the dollar. And that's not even talking about like, say, against the consumer price index or whatever. So um, all fiat has the same problem. And stable coins, by definition, uh, especially like things like Tether and, and anything else are pegged to this same thing and they will have these same uh, issues eventually. Um, so, yeah, so that's why I, 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 I mean, I still kind of look at Bitcoin as the as the thing that will eventually solve these things. Now, that is a belief. And certainly I I'm also pragmatic enough to to admit that I am wrong if I if I'm proven that I'm wrong. But uh, at the moment, it seems like it's got legs. So. All right. Uh, I wanted to move on to a, a lightning real quick because that's going to be the last subject. We're, we're at the end of the show, basically. We're running a little late. But Leo, did you have anything to add to any of this? Just I wanted you to get the final word in if you had anything to say about uh, the stable. A lot, lot has been said since you last spoke. Yeah. Um, I mean, what Lewis said, I, th I very much agree with that. I think in the short run, um, stable coins are better bank accounts. And um, if Bitcoin cannot win against something that's a better bank account, then Bitcoin doesn't really have a unique value proposition. But Bitcoin very much does have a unique value proposition. And people do realize that they do know that when they're dealing with a stable coin, they're essentially dealing with a company and they're dealing with the legal issues around that and the, uh, yeah, the intents and the uh, trustworthiness of the individuals associated. And Bitcoin is, uh, yeah, it doesn't have anybody running it. It doesn't have a founder. It doesn't have a CEO. Um, and people very much value that in certain situations. All right. I want to remind everyone, all three dudes are linked to below. So you got to check them out. But let's just, there was news this week from Lightning Labs. Um, uh, Adam. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adam. Hey, hey yes. just so you guys know, I, I want to point something out to you guys, right? Please. Yes. The, the problem that Bitcoin is trying to solve, the censorship resistant, the permissionless, and all that stuff, it's a non-issue to the countries, to, to the people that need it. The people that desperately need to use Bitcoin, right? They don't see that as a problem. And the so people, they'll deal with something centralized, you're saying. They, they, yes, they, they, yes. 
you're, you're trying to tell people, hey, man, look, your, your, your financial system, here's the problem, right? And here's the solution over here. And, and no matter how much we tell them that, that Bitcoin is the solution, right, they don't see it as a problem. Yeah, but, that, but they see it as a problem very quickly. A year ago in Hong Kong, we would have also said, like, hey, we need to explain and we need to make the case for why Hong Kongers should, like, yeah, want to have the currency and want to have a way of saving money in a way that the state cannot easily confiscate it. And suddenly we're in a situation where this is very obvious to everybody uh, because the state has come out and confiscated the, uh, the money from people. Yeah, yeah. So, very- so, 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 so check this out. The Western countries that, that see the financial system as a problem, right? Th- their current financial system is pretty good enough already to where it's not worth changing it. But the countries like Vietnam and, and, and the other countries that are less developed that can desperately use a system like Bitcoin, they don't see it as a problem. And when, when you say, oh, it's unconfiscatable, you, you know, like if I put my money in a Vietnamese bank and the government can take it or someone else can take it, right? The mentality here is that you're a fucking idiot to put it in a damn bank. Why would you give your money to somebody else? Yeah. So, 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 so I feel you, like China would beg to differ. With the, so, so, uh, the whole, like, I think unf- unconfiscatable certainly matters to them. Yeah, yeah. So. it matters to a, to, to a more developed country that doesn't really, you, you, you know, you, you got to keep in mind, guys, all this stuff we talk about, you know, that censorship resistant, permissionless and everything. It's a small population, guys. We are a small group of people. Okay. We're small until... We're not until people realize, like, oh crap, I, I do need this as an option. I yeah. do need this. I'm just sharing with you guys with boots on the ground. I'm just sharing with you guys. Okay, so you guys understand because sometimes when we live in a Western culture, we, we it, it's really hard for us to step out and see. And especially if we don't live, drink, speak the language, and eat the foods that those people eat, we may not understand how they think. They may not think the same way that we do. Yeah, but you're just uh, I mean, my, my boots are definitely on the ground, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and some people, they, they live right here, and some people, their boots are on the ground, but they can't see what's in front of them. Because right. they just, I'm just Lee, sharing this. Yes, I, 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 and I, we get that perspective, and not everyone sees it the same way, and clearly, they're going to like Tether more than Bitcoin. There's just, there's some people that are, that they don't care about the certain aspects of Bitcoin. Leo, you're about to say something. Um. I, mean, I think, Ty, you very much concede that uh, people do think it's stupid to put your money in the back, right? You said it yourself. Like, why give your money to other people? But we don't have a lot of tools for, for making this happen. Like, we can keep cash under a mattress. We can keep gold in a safe. Or now we can keep Bitcoin. So I do think people already see the problem and they already have some solutions. And with Bitcoin, I think they have a, have a new solution um, that is superior in some other ways. Um, and I do think this is very much important to people. Um, they wouldn't call it unconfiscable. They would just call it like the government can't like uh, can't like easily take it away or the bank cannot collapse. Um, and the fact that um, this is not um, this is not pegged to their local currency is also very very important. Like people like it being pegged to the dollar because they see it as somewhat stable. But as Lewis pointed out, like there's this there's this uh, inflation in the dollar as well that like the United States is kind of like exporting to us and we kind of pay because our local currencies are even worse. And um, people very much will see the situation where, yeah, something like the coronavirus leads governments to um, print money to make certain problems go away. And suddenly we realize like, hey, like our money is losing our value. I want to put that wealth into somewhere um, where it doesn't. And 
um, the, the tether works fine until as long as the US dollar works fine. Um, uh, but other people are gonna, yeah, want to, um, want to. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, so I, I, I wanna share with some, so you guys know, okay. Whenever you guys are talking about inflation, like, you know, we talk about inflation in the West because it's important to us and we, we, we can see it, right? But over here, they just don't care. And you might say, hey, you know what? The Vietnamese people are stupid or whatever because they don't care about inflation. No, it's because whenever they have extra money, they go buy land with it. And the land prices here go up 20, 30, 50, 100, 200, 500 percent in a year. So, so if you take your money and you go put it in the bank and, and you lose money, the value of it due to inflation, the, the, the mentality here is because that's your stupid fault. Like, why didn't you buy some land with it? All right, all right. We've gotten into a, a broader discussion here. This is this argument. It, it will not end. It will. It will not end. We. The show has a limit. But I've been telling you, guys, we, we got the point. Guys, we, we, we understand. Be the open. Point. We got be the point. open. Be open to how other cultures. Okay. We, we are. You're, you're telling Luis this. He's in the middle of the freaking Philippines, man. Yeah, I'm pretty it sure I'm pretty open to the way other cultures think. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's just move real quick to the lightning news. I want to talk about the lightning news, and then everyone will, will sign off. Everyone will get to say what they're doing. But I mean, I just want this was actually something that happened this week. Lightning Labs, what, what happened here? They're entering the decade, they got some funding. Lightning Labs got some funding here. Do, do you have thoughts on this, uh, Leo? You're, you know about the lightning network. That's um, Elizabeth and team. Um, I think it's very exciting to see that like people are uh, interested in investing in this, and uh, that also Lightning Labs does have a have a plan, um, quite a credible plan to monetize their services, which eventually is um, for most Bitcoin companies like the biggest question. Um, similar with uh, Zap Wallet, I think their announcement for for Spark was also quite interesting. Um, I am a very very anxious about um, these kind of uh, monetization models. Um, but since they're incredibly important for, yeah, um, keeping this ecosystem running in the long run and keeping these like amazing people um, uh, working on Lightning, um, this is uh, very exciting to see people like, yeah, making the first moves on those. When you say you're, why are you anxious? Just that the traditional funding method of a, of a business that it could be co-opted, that the Lightning, I, I, what's, what's the worry there? I mean, we've seen this in Bitcoin already in that we've seen uh, especially wallets and, and Bitcoin core development in general um, having difficulties raising the money that they need to, uh, yeah, to simply keep running. And that a lot of these projects had to like swear off into, um, yeah, into more problematic ways of raising funds or more, um, more problematic ways of, of running their business. Um, for example, by selling data or by compromising people's usability um, or by what happened with BitPay of just uh, yeah, who knows going on to what direction. Um, and so we've seen Bitcoin companies very much struggling with their monetization models. But we also know that this is incredibly important in the long run for really keeping this project going. OK, Do you guys have like some thoughts on kind of, um, you know, how you envision you know, lightning, like, like, what, what's the, what's the killer, uh, I don't know, killer use case for it, like a couple of years from now when it's a little bit more ready for prime time. Cause I've, I've really struggled to kind of wrap my head around what happens when you can do like instant micro, um, kind of transactions. I, I'm really trying to, um, you know, see what, like, try to peer into the future and, and, and see what that's like. 
I don't know. That's, if a, you guys that's, have thoughts on that. that's a Leo question. Leo, what, what do you think about that? And then we'll go to Ty, because he's going to have completely different thoughts about the, the Lightning Network, I think. But uh, Leo, what's what's your take on that? Yeah, I do think uh, games and uh, gambling is a very strong use case for Lightning in the short run, especially because it's so cheap and easy to deposit small amounts of money into, into a slot machine and withdrawing it right away um, without having to create an account, without having to give out your personal information. I do think that's an incredibly, um, incredibly powerful um, uh, yeah, um, a use case, um, because a lot of people are going to do this, and this is going to be commercially viable. Um, I also do think that um, selling data through API points is going to become a lot more easy when you are able to charge uh, with Lightning, um, because that makes it so much easier to, um, yeah, so much easier to uh, launch a server, um, launch a, a web app, and charge your consumers or pay for your own kind of input um so you mean like content like buying content or paying for content yeah but the content could be like pinging a um weather station or the content could be to ping mm. uh, right um, so you want to find out how what, whether a parking lot is available and so you ping the sensor in the parking lot and the parking lot tells you but right now it's very difficult to have like an open standard and it's very difficult to, um, yeah, to really convince everybody who runs a parking place to invest in, in the tools. Uh, but if they can actually sell that data, um, then yeah, everybody has an incentive to start monitoring their their weather and their air pressure and which uh, ships are in the vicinity or, or airplane trackers. Um, go to go to a, a website that. Um, that sells any kind of data, for example, uh, let long latitudes for addresses, right? This is a very expensive mm. um, um, business model, um, but um, it is also very valuable. But how do you really charge for that? And right now we can only um, really have, yeah, good monetization models as soon as you consume thousands, hundreds of thousands of these, of these API points. Um, but we don't mm. really have a good um, way of charging for it. If you only need like 10 US dollars per month, worth of API points. Um, but if you build, mm. if you want to build like a, a good web app that consumes the data from 100 different sources, uh, you aren't really able to draw up 100 different contracts and set up retainers and set up um, credit card processors for these 100 different sites, um, all to just mm. compile it into, into, uh, into a single app. Mm. All right, uh, Ty Zen's going to have, uh, what's your take on Lightning Network, Ty Zen? Uh, that companies are getting funded uh, and, and such. Any any thoughts? You have thoughts on everything. So the the, the 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 ten million dollars that Lightning Labs got, you know, that Elizabeth Stark and her company got, you know, that, that's peanuts. The guys that are giving her to that have several, probably billions of dollars. So that that ten million dollars would be like you asking me for two bucks, and I go, okay, here you can borrow two bucks from me. So so you know, to, to somebody that's you know in, in in Africa or somewhere where you know that they're living on you know ten cents a day, you know. Two or three bucks might seem like a lot of money to them, but in the big picture of things, that's a very small amount of money. And to me, Lightning, you know, like our team tried to set up uh, back, uh, I think like a year and a half ago, you know, just 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 for marketing reasons, you know, we just wanted to be able to say because our securities lawyers would not let us say anything unless we've actually we can prove it. So we wanted to be able to say that we run the biggest Lightning node, just just you know for marketing reasons, right? We tried to set it up and spend several weeks trying to set it up, and we're like. Hell no. Like, th th this is ridiculous. You know, th there's no way we're going to go through all this trouble and then 
it, it just so we just let that idea go, right? And we had enough bitcoins at that time to where we can, you know, put in enough bitcoins to where we can say we had the biggest lightning node on, on, on the planet, right? But the difficulty in setting it up it is just not user friendly. And and to me, like the purpose of setting up lightning is so that we can have small micro payments, fast transactions, and 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 and, and and low transaction costs. But if you look at the, the, the people that need to use it, the people that, that it benefits the most, right? They're not in a position to open up those lightning channels. Even if it's just a small amount of Bitcoins, it's not easy for them. And, and to them, they, they have an app, their bank app right now, where they can just hit send and boom, it shows up. Like to them, it's not a big deal. Like, like, like this, it goes back to what I just said earlier. Lightning... The solution that it provides, the people that need it, they don't see it as a problem. And the people that it does help, that, that understand how it's beneficial, they already have a banking system or a financial system where it already solves that problem. I will, I will say this. Your, your point about it needing to be easier, to be as easy as a bank makes yeah. it to sell, it's got to be easy. It's got to be easier. I, I do, and, I do and, agree and, with that. But that's and, the reason this is money, to make it easier. I mean, that, hopefully a company like that can be. Here's the thing, like, like to, to me, the, the, the people that are doing lightning and, and, and some of these high level blockchain technologies, to me, they're really nerdy engineer guys. And they yeah, just it's true. And they just have completely lost touch with reality. It's uh, that they, they are not like an Elon Musk or a Steve Jobs, you know, where they, they can understand the high level technology and still be grounded and, and realistic and pragmatic enough and reality-based enough to see that it can solve a real-world problem. Uh, they, uh, I, see where you're, I see where you're coming from you know? with this. And I, I think there is a certain level of, of disconnect, but these people are smart enough to figure it out, to make it friendly. I, 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 I disagree. I, I disagree on that. If you ask me, you know, the lightning engineers, you know, and on all these people, are they brilliant software engineers, I'm sure they are because they're doing stuff that I, I'm not capable of understanding. Okay. So, 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 but, but, but here's the thing. If you just, just listen, like I, I have experience working in sales and marketing, right? Just listen. Like if you listen to a conversation by Elizabeth Stark or any of these people that work on high level blockchain, stuff like this, you can barely understand what the hell they're even talking about. I, I, I agree with you, but they will hire the sales and marketing people. We're not, Give it some time. Give it. Give it some time. It, it has to evolve. It has to. I. I agree that there's a lot in the whole the space as a whole. The cryptocurrency space as a whole. There's a lot of people like that, and it scares a lot of people away. But I think we, we need more marketing and salespeople. Is it not? If 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 it was you or me developing Lightning, I would go for that. But the, the I mean just just turn on a video of one of these. Just just turn on a video of Elizabeth Stark talking about how she got ten million dollars. Man, that, there's no way that you can tell me she can connect with regular people, man. She might. She, she, she can she, hire I don't think she has to. I don't think she has to be the one to do that connection. Right? I mean, she's just working on the technology itself. The productization of it can be somebody Dude, else. That you can have the best product in the world. If you don't have somebody that can sell it to the public to use it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, no, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. That's that's certainly true, but I don't know if that's Elizabeth Stark's job. That and that's, and, and time. over time, let a company develop. Let, let Lightning, 
if lightning is not easier to use and easier to understand in two years, then yeah, we got a problem. Then there, then there's a problem. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blow it off yet. I wouldn't say it's too geeky uh, forever and ever. I would not say from, it, it from, has no chance because from a sales perspective, I would say it. I mean, at some point, you got to look at the product and say, "Hey, man, you know, this is not a good way to pitch this product, man." If it, I'm glad we I'm glad we brought this aspect of, you know, of, of I, it. You, you, you go uh, to any top level professional salesman and marketing person or pitch man, right? Nobody would ever communicate in that matter to the public to get people to adopt that technology or that product or that service, man. Nobody does that. Why, 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 would, why would lightning be so special that out of, you know, throughout hundreds of years of history that all the products and, and services that, that people use with a large number of users that, that, that this product is, well, you, you don't need anybody to sell it or market it. It will have a team. It will, it will be, if they can't get it, if they can't get the marketing right, then it will fail. That, let's just put it that way. Uh, let, let's get our conclusionary thoughts in. Uh, we'll, we'll start with Leo. It, maybe you had something else to say about lightning too, Leo, but uh, conclusionary thoughts, what, what you're doing, uh, Hong Kong stuff, anything you want to say? Yeah, it looks like 2020, um, at least the next three to four uh, months are going to be quite a wild ride in Asia. Um, I do think we're going to see quite a few like unexpected uh, political and economical uh, new realities. Um, I'm very optimistic of, of Bitcoin, at least like very, very well weathering them, if not even excelling at them uh, and really, yeah, pointing out to everybody like what its use cases and what its value proposition really is. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you again for giving us an update from on the ground in crazy Hong Kong. And I think, uh, I think all three guests kind of, uh, you know, put it in perspective that it, it that uh, worldwide, I don't think uh, people got to panic about the disease. It's more of an economic issue. It's well, if you're in China, you should be uh, careful. And you should Man, be clean. You, 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 you should worry about the high fructose corn syrup that's in all your foods that you're eating. Much more, and, and the refined sugars and the refined flours in your food that that'll do more damage to society than the coronavirus. Will. Yeah, that I agree with. The cigarettes. That's a good. That's You know, in, in Vietnam, you know, the, the the fake motorcycle helmets that they make, you know, out of plastic. Is I mean, what 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 value does it provide protection to your head? That has more danger. That's going to kill more people than 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 the, than the coronavirus ever will. And, and all the 10 viruses before it. All right. Well, since we got Ty Zen here, um, who I'm Ty, you had a great internet connection today. I'm so glad it was able to work out. I was worried before the show, but it, it worked out real well. We had a great combo here. What are your conclusionary thoughts? Uh, what, are, what are you looking forward to 2020? Again, all these are linked to below, but Ty, you talk, talk about what you do right. and everything. My, my, my conclusion, my, my, conclu uh, 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 my final thoughts of this, and I'm surprised you didn't bring it up, man is the Bitcoin cash tax, man. <laughs> we talked about it last week, but yeah, that's why. I, 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 I am a trader, so I'll trade anything. I'll trade Bitcoin SV. I was one of the first guys online to tell people to buy Bitcoin SV when it was like 50, $6, $57, after it was delisted by Binance and Kraken, you know? And I made a crap load of money on it, okay? So a big ca Bitcoin cash, the same thing. When it first came out, it was only $300. I was telling people to hold on to it, right? And then it went up to like three, four thousand dollars. So we're, we're traders. So if you ask me from a trading perspective, 
You know, I'll trade anything that makes money. You know, from a philosophical perspective, now, now I'm putting on my philosophical hat, okay? This is not my trading hat, okay? This is my philosophical hat. Man, that Bitcoin tax, that Bitcoin cash tax, that has to be the dumbest shit that anyone's ever come up with in, 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 in Bitcoin cash history. <laughs> God, man. And I'm sure somebody in the Bitcoin core community is going to take a clip of this and replay it and rebroadcast it over. But that has to be the absolute, like, if, if, if there was an Academy Award or a gold medal for the dumbest idea that anyone ever came up with in Bitcoin Cash's history, it has to be that 12% tax. <laughs> well, I, I got I to gotta tell you, we, we talked, the last two shows we talked about, the last two This Week of Bitcoin shows we talked and someone brought up how the guys at Bcash say that, no, 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 it's, it's really the Bitcoin people that are going to pay for it. And my, my guess, my guess said that's total BS. They're just saying that because no, they, they give some complicated explanation of why it's really the Bitcoin people that are paying the tax. They make it so complex that you just don't question it. It's total BS. I mean, it, it's total that's, BS. That's, that's that's like you know, that's that's like the faggots that you know screw another. No! Instead of hey man, if you close your eyes. It's it's the same as you know making love. Oh, God, you know, God, 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 God. You know what you're about to say. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, listen. The 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 tax has to be the dumbest shit. Like <laughs> everyone is accusing Bitcoin Cash of being centralized and everything, you know. And you know they argue there's no evidence of it and all this stuff. And now you come out, okay, I hereby declare, you know, that we're gonna tax every miner twelve percent or whatever it is, you know. I'm like, who the hell is you? You know, who the hell is you? All right. Wait, let me say, I'm from Baltimore, and we have just we have entered the ghetto here. I mean, we, Ty is really bringing out the ghetto here. It's just so stupid. Like, it, it, the, 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 they should have. This is the best way to do that. Okay, and I'm telling you how. The, uh, let me explain to you guys so you guys understand the Asian culture. They don't see it as that way. They don't see it that as a centralized move. You guys understand that? They don't oh, see it. I think this is a good point you're making. That okay. Bcash is something totally centralized, totally outrageous against the philosophy of cryptocurrency. And Asian buyers, who cares? They'll just buy it. Just buy it to buy it. No, no, no. Okay. Hey, it's it's, it's, it's going to make the coin more valuable. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. No. yeah. That's actually about that's the trader. That's a trader mentality, too. I mean, you're... I mean, it's, it's a good point. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you guys, if you walk up to an Asian person, unless that Asian person has Western influence, like, like, like me, like, you know, you know, learn and study in America and places like that, you just talk to a local Asian person. When you tell them about censorship resistant, when you tell them about permissionless, when you tell them about unconfiscatable, do their eyes just, they're, they're just because, you know, it's a saving face culture. They'll look at you and go, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. In the back of their mind, you're an idiot. Go make some money off of it. This is an unexpected uh, turn at the end of the show here. Thank you for the, the Bcash stuff. I didn't think we'd be talking about that today. All right. We got to get to that. We, we, with Ty's end is on the show, you know it's going to go long. I mean, they, 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 they should have put an address up. If they wanted donations, they should have just put an, an address up and say, hey, man, we need funding. Okay, we need funding. Uh, if all he the said, miners would, 
this? He said they were going to be able to do. They were going to be able to raise two hundred million dollars on their own, and they weren't able to do it. So they they do this instead. We'll see. There might be another. There might be a split eventually. It, it'll be interesting to see. Oh, they're, they're definitely. They're, they're, hey, mark my words. There will be a split in Bitcoin Core, in Bitcoin Cash, and Bitcoin SV. It will happen again. Be, it will right. happen. Okay. You're the second guest. You're the second guest that has predicted Bcash split. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. All right, Luis, we'll let you tie it all up. We'll let Luis uh, conclude. You're coming from okay, the. Okay, I'm gonna avoid. I'm gonna completely avoid the whole Bcash conversation. I'm gonna go back really quick to the lightning thing. Um, I think that uh, you know when you're when you're building an open source technology like Lightning, um, you know ultimately. Well, when it's, I don't know, like how many years it's going to take to, for this stuff to really be ready, but ultimately that will be judged on the quality of the technology itself in the same way that Bitcoin was judged based on its technology. And, you know, there was no centralized marketing effort to push uh, Bitcoin and it just kind of happened organically. I mean, obviously we had a lot of people who were really, really into it and wanted to kind of, you know, tell all their friends about it and stuff like that. And certainly a lot of people threw money at trying to, promote it, but that was never the job of a single organization or a single foundation. I think the same thing will happen with Lightning if it is, in fact, as good as we are hoping for. Now, that being said, we don't know. And I, the reason why I am very optimistic is because, you know, this first round of funding for uh, Lightning Labs, uh, well, I guess it's not the first round of funding, but this round of funding um, is at least a step in the right direction and certainly this is the this was what was missing from maybe the early days of bitcoin when everything was just volunteers um so i'm hoping you know that it will eventually turn into something that um i mean i'll i'll be the first to admit that it's a it's a little rough around the edges right now and i've certainly tried to use it myself and i'm not sure that i would be able to recommend it to you know, kind of be your average non-technical person but I kind of felt the same way about early Bitcoin as well. So I'm hoping that eventually it will kind of um, get to that point where it's a little bit um, more polished, a little bit more stable and all of that stuff. Um, what do I think about the rest of the year? It's going to be a wild ride if, I, if the first six weeks are going to be are any indication. And I cannot wait to be on this show again, um, you know, a year from now. And hopefully we'll all be wearing the massive gas masks and stuff like that and hoarding our toilet paper. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. Very good. All right. I brought you three guests from on the ground in Asia. Okay. And I don't know any other shows that do that. I want to give everybody a different perspective. I know we generally, if you're watching an English speaking uh, channel or podcast, it's, you're going to get the, the Western perspective on cryptocurrency and, and, and the situation in terms of the virus. So I want to give everybody something a little bit different. Um, we, we make it's, I don't like to make generalizations or anything like that. Like, oh, it's done this way in Asia. It's done this way in North America. But there are definitely different paths that people go on in, in different places that in certain parts of the world they are not familiar with. So I just I, I, I just wanted to clear up if anybody was thought that people here were making big generalizations today. No, they were just making they were revealing certain things that go on in other parts of the world that in the Western part of the world we might not be familiar with. I mean, so there's so many narratives on the Western side of cryptocurrency that um, are not even known in, uh, in you know, on the Asian side. Like, I mean, with, with, again, with the, with the Bcash thing, I think in the Western side, there's a lot of 
like this is so fake it's so it's it's nonsense it's a scam blah 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 blah. but on the asian side there's plenty of people like well so what it's it's whatever it is so what if it splits again so what if there's a tax as long as it goes up uh in value so there's just i, I love i love bringing this and giving the the different ideas that are out there and it does make some people like cringe and take like what that that can't be true but no it's true and that's the beauty of bitcoin and cryptocurrency anyone can go their own way any no one can stop them no one can censor you and so hey but so i thank all you all my guests today for for bringing this unique awesome energy and also calming everybody down about the virus that that's that's very important and so yeah 2020 should be a blast all right thanks a lot guys i'm adam meister the bitcoin meister the disrupt meister remember to subscribe to the channel like the video share this video check out the links below Pound that like button, bang that bell button. Shabbat shalom. New show here every day. We'll see you next Friday for this one. This week in Bitcoin every Friday. See.